Hello, welcome to the Rock Podcast. Yeah, how much are you paying me to say this? You got me cheap. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Vogue Podcast. Today, I'll be chatting with professional voice actor, actor, father, I suppose, and a lot of more very interesting, uh, well, let's say he's a hero to a lot of people, right? Neil Newborn. Um, and you also might know him as perhaps Nikolai from Resident Evil 3 Remake or Heisenberg from Village. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Thanks very much for having me. It's nice to be invited. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So it's, you know, the question of acting and voiceover is very interesting. So what got you into acting? Um, I started acting when I was a kid, really. I got into theatre. I was always had a, a love of stories and telling stories. Um, when I was a child, it sort of was a great escapism fantasy. And I also liked history a lot. So sort of the two of the, the, the historical stories of which are always warped by the winners, obviously. Um, the idea of evaluation and the idea of passing knowledge on through stories was always quite fascinating to me. So as a kid, I was naturally drawn to books, to literature and to theatre and to plays and things like that. And um, yeah, I saw a lot of theatre when I was a kid. I was exposed to a lot of theatre as a kid, which was great. I was very lucky like that. And I just fell in love with it. I just thought it was an interesting way of communicating humanity to humans. And uh, also it's, it's very affecting. So... You know, although actors, you know, we do this for ourselves largely, and, and it's great to have audience feed, feedback and to entertain people. But the writers and directors and the people that create these amazing, um, these amazing pieces that we get to be involved with, you know, that you can change people's opinions very easily with watching something or seeing something or, or being affected by a play or being affected by television that's, or film that's great. You know, you can, be, you can change your mindset. So there's a lot of power in that as a human being. Oh, yeah. Um, and also you get to play lives that you would never necessarily play or be in your own life, which is also a fascination. I like playing the other, if that makes yeah. sense. I like sort of experiencing other people's lives. Oh, yeah. um, to learn more about my own self, I think, in that way. Hmm. I must agree with you. You know, as an actor, it's really fascinating to kind of uh, make a fictional <coughs> character pretty much give him a life, if that makes sense. You know. Yeah, sure. And what, what was your first project you've ever worked on? Uh, as an actor, well, TV, I started actually in theatre. So, and I started in TV as well when I was a kid, a little bit. So the very first thing I ever did professionally um, was a teenage show called Criss Cross, which was an American <laughs> British show, which I don't even know if people can find that anymore. So I played an American character in it. Um, I was only in for a guest lead, so I wasn't there for too long. Um, but it was really fun. It was really exciting. And I was pretty young. I was only like 14. I was still at school. So it was nice sort of taste. And I remember just, I remember not having to do too much filming in a day, for instance. But I just remember being really excited and fascinated by the whole filming process. So mm -hmm. I got hooked. I got hooked onto filming. TV and, and theatre and everything like that from a very early age. And it also helped me find a voice because I was quite introverted as a kid until I was about 14, 15, 16, maybe. So um, <clears throat> it helped me find a voice. That was my first ever gig, was playing uh, Garrett Booth on Criss Cross. <laughs> I think that's the name of the character. Yeah. Oh, my God. So fascinating. What do you think about, uh, well, accents? You, you don't have problem with them. But uh, as a kid, mm, what did you thought about them like? Um, well, I'm, I'm from Birmingham originally, and I lost my accent pretty quickly because it just, I don't know, man, it just didn't really, it didn't really fit me. Um, it fit my, my, my family. I have, I have a twin brother, and he has a very, very strong Birmingham accent. So for him, it was, I think it was about identification. Like for him, Birmingham is a place that's close to his heart. And, you know, I grew up there, so I have a lot of fond memories of, the, of you know, that area. But for me, it was I'm a nomad, really. I like, I'm a constant traveler. I constantly mm. need to move and explore the world. It's a, big, it's a big part of my experience, really. So for me, like, the accent didn't fit me. So when I was about the age of eight onwards, I kind of lost any trace of that. I think there's a few, I have a tiny smattering of brumming. 
um, still from Birmingham, still in my accent, sometimes a little twang and stuff. Um, but not much. It doesn't really, never really suited me. So I made a conscious effort to let go of it and just become quite neutral. So I could, and also the other thing as well, if you have a neutral accent, whether it's American or British or German or whatever, mm. you can, it means you don't have to deconstruct too much. So <clears throat> knowing that I was, I was going to be an actor from about the age of 14, 15, it was kind of useful to have a neutral frenetic accent because it meant that I could start making jumps to other accents a lot easier than having to like deconstruct a very heavy accent with very heavy leanings on mm. certain words or diphthongs or things like that yeah. to then be able to like build up again. So this way it was kind of a clean accent to have. Um, so yeah, I was kind of fortunate that I made that decision before I became an actor really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. What would you like um, perhaps uh, recommend or advise like a tip to the voice actors like uh, that are trying to like perfect an accent or dialect um several things um based on real people um don't base it on films so don't watch films and try and copy accents find real people in real life and and also don't just look at contemporary people in like you know the decade we're in and stuff like go through the history of a culture and find like prominent interesting people Because sometimes you can find an accent which is is like definitive of that country or that region or that town or that you know city or whatever. Mm. But then you want to be able to like live it. So I often think it's quite helpful, as long as it's appropriate to your character, to find accents of people that are similar to your character from that place. Mm. It takes a little bit of research, but I think it's very useful. The other thing as well is like, you know, like most things in acting, you should like invest in yourself. You should train. So find an accent coach. I mean, I still find accent coaches when I need to do accents I've never tried before. I worked on one recently that it was an accent that I sort of dabbled with a little bit, but I never really tried to train in it. And I found actually a lot of misconceptions about my idea of what the accent should be like was actually quite wrong. Um, and because it was based on the stereotype and, and the unknown. And I ended up working with an accent coach who was native to that country and who was fantastic she was great and she helped me through and I actually now I'm quite proud of the accent so um, I haven't used it really since so I'm going to try and develop it a bit further on something else um, but it's interesting it's an interesting one I like it a lot but again it's like new I haven't tried that mm -hmm. before yeah. so yeah get a teacher study even if it's just a private teacher a few sessions if that's what you can afford whatever But then also do your research and find people that are, uh, that are, it's appropriate to maybe borrow their accent or borrow their manner, you know, because that also unlocks interesting things about people to bring to characters. Oh, yeah. Like I always yeah. find like it's fascinating to watch real people. Uh, I'm constantly observing people really, um, sometimes a bit too much, I think. So, <laughs> but it is, you know, all actors do, all actors that, you know, know what they're doing, I think mm. would do that. It's not yeah. unusual. It's just that we're concerned with everything to do with humanity, you know, in terms yeah. of playability. Not mm. sure. Not sure if you heard about this website, but uh, it's called the Idea website, the International Dialects of English Archive, where you can yep. uh, uh, pretty much select any part of the world and uh, Asia, you know, Central America, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's really all all parts of the world and listen that's to cool. their accent and i think that's just really fascinating that's super cool i mean the other thing as well is that you have to be mindful of you know I mean, human beings can look like anything come from anywhere to yeah. a point um to a point i would say there's some places that it's highly unusual to find somebody that, that may not be of the majority backgrounds Hmm. of that country but there are other places like england um britain sorry and america that are super multicultural yeah and you, you know that's the thing i think that bugs me sometimes is that people make assumptions like oh, this character comes from this country definitely should look like this i think it's kind of nuts because obviously we in the real world like people are constantly moving around it's really this is one of the coolest things about the planet oh, yeah. and one of the most destructive things about the planet i guess as well but yeah. you know it's it's a the thing that i think you also have to play to uh play appropriate to your to your background i think it's you know we're now at a fantastic place of diversity um where you know especially in my industry specifically where originally you know anybody would play anybody which would be cool but now it's actually more appropriate to 
you know, to make sure the diversity casting is on point. It's hard to do that when you're doing mocap because sometimes you have zero idea and they have zero idea what the character might look like. You're just mm. providing backgrounds. That's a little different because yeah. it's not really your fault if you end up doing um, playing a role that you have no idea what you're playing. You're just playing a background person. You know? Yeah. Um, but I think now with the, with the leading roles, supporting roles, um, skinning, um, taking somebody's likeness, um, it's important to get that right because I think it's um, I think it's an injustice um, of of the industry really that for a long time mm. people haven't been represented fairly. So it's good yeah. to see the equality coming through on on every level, including my my part of the industry, which is very cool. Yeah, yeah. and like uh, I'm not sure, but do you speak like any other languages, perhaps? Yeah, I speak a little. I speak a little bit of Spanish. Yeah, mm. I'm learning quite a lot. Um, I'm still learning, but I, I do speak. I understand quite a lot of Spanish. That is, um, which is nice. I just find it yeah. fascinating, you know, when like a person speaks multiple languages, it's really fascinating to me. And it's been multiple, man. <laughs> I speak like I speak two, and well, one of them is like a beginner level. So. <laughs> I mean, two is also, I, I think, cool. <laughs> two is so, cool. Two is, two is far better than one. Everybody should learn at least an additional language. That should be like a mandatory prerequisite. And you should be forced to do that throughout yeah. your life to learn a language you can switch languages but yeah. you should like it should be like a mandatory thing for every human being to learn the person's language the primarily is because like you learn the language you learn the culture mm-hmm. and i think that's the thing that that kind of fucks me off about humans so much that we we can be so deeply fearful and ignorant of one another which is a tragedy of our world that um that people get so afraid of other people or other countries because mm-hmm. they know nothing about it I think learning a language or, or at least learning one extra language makes you aware of, of multiculturalism throughout the world, makes you aware of differences and ultimately can only open your mind to embracing the fact that the world is, mm. the world is connected in a way that we don't allow ourselves yeah. to be sometimes, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um, that reminds me, um, you know, um, I think your first appearance or connection with Capcom was, you know, Resident Evil 3 Remake, right? So I think I worked with Capcom on something before that, one of their other titles. Um, but that would be mocap or doing stunts or combat or something like that. Mm. So in terms of, I think I'm right in saying this as a, as a lead role, as a lead, you know, full performance role, mm-hmm. it might have been my first major one with Capcom. But I'm pretty sure I did other titles with them in the past mm. as mocap, but I can't. It's one of those things I've done, I've done like over 100 titles now, so <laughs> I've kind of lost count of what I've done, and sometimes I forget. Um, like some of the smaller stuff, like when you're doing a lot of mocap, like in game locomotion oh, yeah. mechanics or stunts in combat and things like that, sometimes, not often, but sometimes it's easy mm. to forget, like, oh shit, I did stuff for that, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's not like it's not your face or voice necessarily. I mean, of mm. course, I know you don't really remember, but for example, when you're doing like mocap, but not really like a full performance. Uh, are you like told what you do? Uh, what What do you have to do, or what character are you supposed to play? Like, for example, yeah, when it, you play it, a zombie it, or something. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, yeah, obviously, it's um, animators will come to set and they'll have, especially for an in-game mechanics locomotion day, mm. you'll have anything up to like three hundred plus animations that they want to capture. Mm. Each of them will be attributed to like a certain type of creature or. The player character or sporting character or background characters right mm-hmm. so they have a very clear idea of what they're trying to aim for um they're not entirely sure always what it should look like until you do it and you that's the beauty of working with animators and directors directly in mocap um which is different to performance capture that you get to explore a little bit you get to play a little bit you can have some like r and i call it um it's like a, you know research and, and development mm. of that character in situ in real in real terms to work it out i worked on strange brigade for instance with my old pals at rebellion who i love uh, audio motion which is actually the, the company that gave me my very first performance capture mocap gig and i owe them quite a lot so huge props to them um but they we had a whole day we had two days actually rehearsing one day was literally not even capturing that much data it was just exploring how the fuck a mummy should walk in their world. And Strange Brigade is a really fun game set in like the 1920s. So they play a lot of those 1920s tropes. And one of them was how the fuck a mummy should walk. And we had no idea. So we went everything from Boris Karloff, like the mummy, to more like alien, kind of like more modern day, like I am legend shit. (laughs) <laughs> and um, we just explored everything. In the end, they used a, like a smorgasbord 
of these different movements to create all these different characters and um you know it was nice to see that work go into the game it was like okay cool i remember like we were trying to work that stuff out and breaking our arms and legs and necks and stuff and exploring you know all that kind of stuff and yeah. boris karloff walking like this and all this kind of shit so it was really fun so days are like that for mocap you can have a real mixed bag of stunts of playground stuff of weapon work of just moving um they get heavy it's not for everybody and i think you need a real command of physicality of your body you need to have a lot of skills as well to make a good mocap artist yeah. actor but there's there's also many actors that don't have a huge amount of combat skills but are fantastic movement people and yeah. will come into it and do it really well so you know mocap is a little different to performance capture but performance capture is more like mm. cinematics and film and all that kind of jazz mm. i see yeah. i i actually think you did uh, some mocap for the lichens in village right Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. They asked me to. It was really fun. Yeah, we had. Yeah, I got. I went a bit. I went a bit able. Uh, not able. I mean, I went a bit um, uh, off piste. Let's say <laughs> with some of the before. There's a video online actually of I. I went. I was like tackling Todd. Oh yeah. Uh, Todd to the ground. He plays uh, Ethan Winters. Yeah. Uh, and Todd's great. Todd's a real laugh, and he's a nice guy. He's a really nice guy, and also he's a good sport man. He like you know he he got tackled by me and I'm, i'm not a small dude um i don't know how many like a good half a dozen times or something on it's onto a crash map i'm tackling him down and wailing on him uh as a lichen and he fucking took it man so you know hats off to the dude <laughs> how can uh, you so even yeah, survive a, how can you even survive a session like that without like laughing or something because you know it's oh they're great i mean what i do is playtime man i don't mm. view it really as a job it's a career but i don't really view it yeah as a job. i mean it's just yeah. <laughs> It's an extension of being a five-year-old for me. So yeah. I get to be a kid the whole time. Obviously, with a lot of focus and professional focus. Yeah, definitely. Commitment. You know, you leave your blood on the floor. But yeah. for me, it's um, it's playtime. It's just fun. It should be fun. Otherwise, why the fuck would I do it? You know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I think before RE3 Remake, as you said, you did some mocap, right? Was like uh, 10 years, yeah, somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> was like Nikolai like your first bigger role in a video game? No, 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 not at all. No, I've been I've been working for years before then. In fact, the first time I worked with Steve Knievely, which he did Resident Evil 3, was uh, 2016 mm. when we did Planet of the Apes, and I played the lead ape Bryn. I was with Andy Circus as well, and um, an amazing cast of, of humans and apes it was brilliant we made a tribe we made ape sign language we made an 80 word language that we used in between takes to take the piss out of people which was really mm. funny um but it was great you know and that was i played humans i played a, a supporting humans i voiced two different humans and played a whole like a bunch of background characters and also got to voice and play Bryn, who's the leader of the game. Now, it's not a game. It's like a mini-series. It's a TV mini-series for PlayStation 4. Mm -hmm. It should be treated like that, folks. Like, don't play it as a game because actually as a game, it's really limited. But as yeah. a TV series, it's really fun. It's interactive and you get to make choices. But view it as a TV series. <laughs> don't view it as a game. <laughs> say any game. It's called Planet of the Apes Last Frontier. But uh, even before that, I was doing like Final Fantasy Kingsclave. Um, I was doing lots of voices for the Secret World, even like back in the day, which became mm. Secret World Legends, which was cool. So I've, I've been around for a long time. I've been working a long time. Uh, and before that, I was doing TV, film and theatre. So it's not even yeah. like I just started and went into performance capture. I've been spending a long time as an actor, about mm. 20, fuck, I actually held, held okay, about 21, no, 23 years now as an actor, uh, yeah. um, professional, working every year, which is a blessing. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. so yeah, it's, you know, it's, it, nobody comes from nowhere. I mean, there's an interesting story. Sorry, I'm really itchy. These little things just keep biting me. Um, there's an interesting story about Ben Kingsley, Sir Ben Kingsley. He went to America to receive like an MTV award for best newcomer or something like that. And he'd been like treading the boards, like Patrick Stewart, like Ian McKellen, they've been treading the boards in British theater doing the most incredible, incredible work for like 20, 30 fucking years before. They went out to America. So, you know, it's like, it's a funny thing with all this. People, they see you do one thing, they think, oh, wow, you yeah. just appeared out of nowhere and it's all just <laughs> happened. It's like, no, 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 you work your fucking ass off. <laughs> um, but I'm a great believer in craft. Craft mm. is super important. Yeah. Um, I think without craft, you can, you can flail along and, you know, you, you don't really, you don't really reach your full potential. You have to be a craftsperson in this game, regardless of what it is that you do in it. Yeah. 
I agree. Actually, that reminds me. So you live in Britain, right? And uh, I, I believe the recording sessions for like uh, RE3 and Village were in America, right? No, that's not true. Um, I live in America and in London. Okay. Um, I live in Britain and and um, LA. I go back with the forwards quite a lot. Um, ah, I, I haven't been back to LA since the pandemic um, started, which sucks because it's the way it is. Um, but uh, we shot RE3 in Japan. We shot Village in um, in Los Angeles. Uh, in Sony yes. Studios so I travel a lot and I travel around a lot like I like my life to be like that because it allows me to um to keep myself fresh and interested in mm. the whole world um but I'm also I travel around Europe and I work around Europe and mm. that's always kind of been my life really certainly for the last 10 years I've been traveling a lot which has been amazing so yeah so that's that's my life which is very blessed to say that and I'm very lucky to be able to oh, yeah. experience the world I'm, yeah, I mean, I actually didn't know like uh, that uh, RE3 was shot in Japan. Um, yeah, we shot it uh, with uh, Digital Frontier. That's just really fascinating, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Did like Capcom flown you to Japan? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> so yeah, I'm obviously. not going to fly myself out for, to work. First class? <laughs> first class? Dude, no, we didn't get first class, mate. But, you know, listen, Capcom looked after us really well. They looked after me very well. Um, you know, I'm grateful to, to keep working with them. And I like them. They're really fun to work with. They're, good. they're a good crew. And oh, yeah. the executives are great, and they're very supportive, and they really listen to the actors and the director to find stuff on the day, which is really amazing. So, you know, I, I really like working with Capcom. They're a cool bunch yeah. of people. Yeah, I think it's important to have, like, a good team of people. Yeah, well, you know, it's people sometimes only see the actor doing the role. It's like there's 300, 400 people behind that that exactly. are making the game or the film or whatever. You know, that's why people should read the credits fully, you know, um, stay exactly. and read the credits because there's all these people's work um, went to make, even the production runners or the caterers and all that stuff. Without these people, you know, the whole thing doesn't work very well. Yeah. So, to, you know, I'm lucky in games that there's not much, there's not as many like the, the egos. I find there's not a huge amount of ego in game work. And sometimes in film and TV, you can get into that whole star thing and celebrity thing. And it doesn't really, doesn't really affect games in the same way because you're kind of dressed in this weird suit that's not particularly flattering. And everybody's mucking in like it's theatre and you're in a theatre stage equivalent. And it's fantasy and weird and it's, it's really abstract and amazing and beautiful because of that. It kind of gets rid of the ego, quite frankly, because people people that are insecure, you know, it's a little terrifying for them. And the, the other people that are confident, they just tend to want to work. You know, I'm not saying it doesn't happen in TV and film, of course it does. Yeah. But in, um, in the game world, yeah, for a long time, it's been pretty chilled, which is great, which is actually, you know, preferable. Get on with your work, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the game world kind of improved throughout the years a lot. I, I'm pretty sure you noticed that. When mm -hmm. was like the first time you did mocap? First time I did mocap was about 11 years ago. That was with Audio Motion on, uh, with Ubisoft on, Ubisoft on Ghost Recon Future Soldier. It was the very first time I stepped into a suit. We did a three week gig with them. Uh, working with US Navy SEALs, doing tactics and things like that, and then doing cinematics. It was brilliant. <laughs> it's really fun doing stunts and combat. Yeah, it was really fun. I know that this might be an interesting question, but how long did it take to like record everything for like a village? You know, how much how much sessions um, did it take and all that? Uh, I actually can't remember. I think we did I think we did two main sessions and then we did two VO sessions split over like six months eight months something like that mm. i was coming off like a whole bunch of jobs so in between doing that i was also on like four of the projects so i was going from la to hungary to back to la to japan to back to hungary to then you know i was like, to switzerland i was literally like all <laughs> yeah. over the place um back to the uk as well so i was on like a whole bunch of, i mean i'm just just now wrapping up the ninth out of ten projects i've had in just under two months so you know it gets a bit full-on really <laughs> very lucky to say that which is amazing and i've got a, i'm doing something later this year which is terribly two things that are very exciting 
um, which uh, obviously I'm not going to talk about. But, uh, you know, I'm very blessed to be working a lot and people having faith yeah. in me. And, and also the thing that games gave me that film and television never did was that it allows me to be a character actor. And I think that's, for me, one of the biggest parts of this is that I'm a character actor yeah. trapped in the body of somebody that doesn't look like a character actor, do you know what I mean? So for me, it was um, it was a real blessing to find it because it allowed me to play roles that nobody in their right mind would ever give to me um, in film and TV. <laughs> so yeah, man, yeah, games, I owe games a lot, yeah, it's great. Uh, um, of course, I mean, first time I heard you in, I think Detroit became human, I think. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, you played two roles there, right? Yeah. Mm. Did you do the I specialize in multi-role um, in, in projects. I tend to be very lucky to be able to play multiple roles in one project. It's kind of a um, oh, yeah, blessed man. to be asked it's, to do that. It's really a big blessing. Mm. I mean, it's really fascinating, you know. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you did uh, both Nemesis and Nikolai in RE3, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I played a Nemesis for the mocap stuff and then yeah. uh nikolai full performance yeah it's great <laughs> it's really silly it was really fun oh yeah what can you specify the accent a bit i mean of course it's slavic but you know there are multiple yeah it's slavic russian but also traveled so i didn't want to go for we wanted to make it a little heavy but not but not hardcore like you know moscow or something or, mm. Or something in the heartlands or something it was more like he's russian slavic something like that he's mm -hmm. russian but he's traveled so much he's going into so many different war zones and joining yeah. umbrella he's traveled and he's constantly mixing with all these people around it mm -hmm. i wanted to muddy up his accent a bit so we made it almost like i even took like through a little twinge of like a little bit of romanian stuff in there as well just to mm -hmm. to give the sense that it wasn't it was russian but it wasn't quite russian do you know what i mean so that he would sort of come from there, but has traveled so much, it's, yeah. his accent has changed quite a lot. Um, that was the idea anyway. Yeah, I'm not sure if it worked. <laughs> <laughs> it did work out very well. How no, hard it is to get into the accent like for you? or the Not really, not really that hard once I get the accent. I think once the accent is set, I then tend to have, um, I tend to have, I build relaxation tools. Mm -hmm. um, for characters to get into the character um so yeah i mean i'm not going to do them because they're kind of like they're one of those things in acting that when you find tools that work you don't really want to share them too much because if you do they kind of stop working yeah um which is a bummer because then you have to find something else um although there, there is one i'll share because actually it is it's actually a line from a project and it, it is actually just a vocal thing, so I don't mind sharing that. But um, I play in, in Baldur's Gate 3, I play Astarian, who's like a half-elf vampire preacher, um, which is an ongoing project, which I'm just having a fucking blast with because the writer, Stephen Rooney, is just a god. And Larian are just amazing people as well. And Sven's just, Sven's Sven, he's amazing, he's, he's awesome. So um, I do a thing where, just to, just to get back into the high inflection of the accent and just to get back into it, <clears throat> hello, my name's Astarian. And that just sort of, hello, it allows me to go back into Astarian's voice with all his little weird, naughty little quirks. So it just allows me to jump back into like a headset and a mindset. Um, I don't mind sharing that because I've done that a lot. I've done that on, mm -hmm. on stream and stuff like that as well. Um, but it's just a little thing. It's just, you know, and sometimes it's just, you know, for an ape, I used to, I used to do grunts and hoots and... <laughs> <laughs> all that kind of shit, which are based on actual sounds that apes make, chimpanzees specifically make. This is all research. We work with Peter mm -hmm. Elliott, who's the godfather, the grandfather of all animal work in film, television, and games, really. Way before, like, you know, Steve, you know Terry Notary, way before Andy Serkis. Mm. Um, he was doing stuff back in the 70s that nobody had ever done in the 70s, yeah. 80s. He, he's incredible. So Peter Elliott actually helped us develop our apes and, and also taught us the language of apes and taught us um, hierarchy and social structure and how it works. I mean, he gave us so much information and workshopped really well with us. And without him, we wouldn't have been able to perform so well in that project. Mm. I really think the performances were quite something special in that. It's a shame it didn't do so well, but I mean, the game, if you don't treat it like a game, treat it like a TV series, mm. it's really fucking good. <laughs> and the performances are really <laughs> fucking good. And that's just not me being a dick. And it was, we worked our balls off for that, you know, yeah. or ovaries or whatever. 
what did you know about the you know the perhaps the Resident Evil series before you got into it? You know, like like what I know I wasn't very good actors, at playing it. You know, was <laughs> I knew that I wasn't very good at playing Resident Evil. I suck at Resident Evil. The modern games weird that I can play because they're better controls, but the original ones mm-hmm. pff, they're way too fucking hard, <laughs> too tough. <laughs> I, I mean, suck. yeah. But did you know, like, uh, you know, like, perhaps you know some actors who've been into the games before? No, not really. Um, I didn't look at the Nikolai that came before me out of respect to his Nikolai. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't watch any of the, the cutscenes from, from 3, the original one, because I thought, you know what, that was their project. That was his character choices. That was his character. Yeah. I don't want to emulate it. That was his thing. You know, I'm going to find my own dude and mm. my own givens and choices. And I think, I think as an actor, when you're coming into something, unless it's something like James Bond or something so <laughs> fucking iconic that you kind of have to do nods to certain yeah. things. But even then, like, you know, no two Bonds are the same. So I think, you know, in terms of like coming and stepping into Nikolai, who was, you know, a well-known character, a loved yeah. character. I just, I was like, dude, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to emulate somebody else's performance. I want to find my own Nikolai that makes sense to me and his quirkiness and his own weird stuff and his, you know, macabre humor and delight in destruction. And and his, he loves his job. You know, he like, like, I think, you know, war brings him levity, um, which is something um, a bit unusual, I guess, but like, you know, being at home, going to the shops and watching television all day it was it's like slow death to him so stuff like that you don't you don't really glean that from necessarily watching somebody else's performance you have to sort of create that yourself on the inside and come out and add all these different things like accents and movement and, and walks and stuff yeah. yeah um do you have like a favorite line uh not really no i never really have favorite lines i have lines that people like Mm. I have lines that I'm happy to say to people. <laughs> um, but I never really have like a favorite line. I have like characters and I get to say everything mm. and I, I enjoy everything. I guess some things stick more in the mind because they're more like catchphrasing and whatnot. But I, I generally don't have like a favorite line that I keep saying to people and, about this character and that character. It's more about the characters themselves are just very dear to me. Um, I know, um, you know, people always ask for when they're asking about Nikolai and stuff, oh, good luck and things like that, you just, you know, because it's fun and it's punchy yeah. and it's short. Um, I personally don't have a favorite line of any of my characters. I just, I really dig the characters. So, yeah, I don't have a favorite character either. Um, I have characters that have been like super interesting to play and have given me like huge, I mean, Astarian I'm playing at the moment. There's so much to, to play with because the game is so big. Yeah, um, we still haven't finished shooting, man. I've been shooting for like two years already, and we still haven't oh, finished. Yeah. We're probably not not even halfway. Yet. <laughs> uh, me, I don't know. I'm not sure how work. long it's. No, it's brilliant. I love it. I love playing Starion. So for me, it's like um great. I just get to keep playing, but I don't like have a particular line of his. There's, well, I don't even know how many we've done. At least, well, released is at least five thousand lines oh, minimum. Dear. Oh that's God. released so i mean you know trying to find a favorite and they're all really good that's the thing the writers are incredible on um boulder skate 3 larian are a, a really fantastic studio to work for mm. so i don't know why the hell do i want to pick a favorite you know they're all great <laughs> sometimes when when actors say that they have a favorite line i think they're just trying to cover up the fact that's the only line they can remember from the lot from the game I don't know, maybe I don't speak for other actors. I mean, personally, I have, you know, my memory's a bit all over the place with when I step out of the volume. So I'm a bit, um, I'm a child of chaos really outside the volume, <laughs> whereas I'm quite precise in the volume, which is kind of an irony, I guess. But um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, you have to speak to other actors about that. <laughs> for me personally, I, for me personally, it's not like I forget. It's more like it's not important to me to have a favorite. Oh, yeah, of course. Of it was just the whole experience was fucking awesome. So, you know, I don't really care about that. Yeah, for some reason I, I'm really digging the line. It's not after me, something like it's that. It's not after me. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just. It's just like it's what just a, fun, isn't like, it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, what directions did you get for like um, Heisenberg? In what way? What do you mean? In like um, the capturing the character. Like, did you know mm-hmm. what he looked like before? You know, you you know, or did no, you did no, you audition for him? Yeah, yeah, I audition, even if I'm working with um, 
like people I've worked with before or people I've worked with before that are friends as well, especially. I still audition for everything. Mm. Um, I don't think it's right not to. Um, you know, sometimes you get offers. I have had offer only where people just literally come up to you and say, we want you to be in it. Here's the role. Do you want to do it? Mm. And that, which is amazing and a very privileged place to be. And especially when you realize that, you know, it's because they think you're good. Um, so, you know, which is cool or, or getting offered like during an audition, like for Detroit, I got offered Kamsky during the audition with David um, and Frederick Barkoff, who's the amazing casting director um, on that. And during the audition, they said, why don't you have a look at this? I was like, what now? I was like, okay. <laughs> Shit, okay. So, you know, those things happen. But, um, but I believe it's fair enough to audition. It's part of the job. I'm an actor. Yeah. You know? Why shouldn't I? Um, somebody wants to offer me something about auditioning. It's like, you know, good luck. But then, you know, cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I auditioned for this, um, for Steve. And I always will do. You know, Steve will always ask me to audition for anything he thinks I'm right for. But I know that he thinks I'm right for it. So otherwise he wouldn't ask me. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And any director that I know of, any director I don't know that asked me in for a role or casting director mm. that asked me in for a role, if they ask you in for a role, it's because they think you're right for it. Yeah. Or they think you can do it. So there's a lot of like bullshit that actors have to go through and it's not easy. And unfortunately, sometimes when we're, I guess when we're inexperienced, we get into the mindset of wanting to prove ourselves. I remember that as a young actor in my 20s, like, you know, proving yourself in the room, just nonsense. But you don't know that until you go through that, until you realize that you shouldn't give a shit about that, you should just do your work. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I still audition and I look forward to live auditions especially. Um, Self-tapes are useful and fun and everything, but mm. I like live auditions a lot because you get to work with the person, which is part of the job. You know? Yeah, did you audition for any other characters perhaps? In that game? Yeah. Oh shit, yeah, I auditioned for a character. I had, even though I was, there was um audition. I was like, there's no fucking way they're gonna give me this role. <laughs> there's just no fucking way. I went up for Chris Redfield. I was like, there's no way they're gonna give me that role. That's insane. I wouldn't give me that role. <laughs> I just I'm not Chris Redfield. Yeah. I could play him, I just wouldn't do it as well as somebody else. Yeah. Uh, and you know, they got they got the best person for it, you know. Shine yeah. is a he's an incredible fucking awesome beefcake of an actor you know in that way oh, he's definitely. great and he's perfect for the role man so jeff is also a friend you know jeff jeff and i mm -hmm. have worked together before and um on re3 with with um nicole so you know, jeff myself nick and uh, steve we, and also bill hope as well we're kind of like a mocap family you know because bill was on re3 bill was on planet of the apes and i was on i was being on, i've been on all of them of them obviously with them and um yeah, Bill's like, you know, he's like this sort of very funny nuts uncle to our dysfunctional yet functional family. Um, and it's just great. It works. It's nice to have a mocap family. I've got a couple of yeah. mocap families now, which is really nice. The people I work with regularly. I also have a company. I also have a production company in the academy. And yeah. I get to work with my friends who are all brilliant. So, you yeah. know, I want to surround myself with people that are amazingly talented and work with them. And they're my friends. So, you know, fucking great. Um, so I've got my little mocap families dotted around the world, which is really nice. Yeah, but yeah. That, that was that particular one is is a special one. Yeah, Steve, Nicole, myself, Jeff, and Bill. That's a special one, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You're going around <laughs> from family to family. Mm. So, what is your favorite part of Village? The scene, um, favorite scene. Again, I don't really have favorite scenes. Um, I think the ones that really worked well. Uh, I like the one with Ethan, with uh, Todd Soley um, and, my, and myself playing Heisenberg with the, the deal is a really fun scene. I really enjoyed that scene. We got to do it a whole bunch of ways. And I really enjoyed it. It was a great scene to play. I guess the family scene, the church, which was because it was like one of the first scenes I think I did with everybody. And they'd already done like a read through and I wasn't the read through. I was literally like flying in just as the read through was happening. So I was landing like, I don't know, 40 minutes before the read-through started. I was actually in LAX and they were like way up north. So it was just impossible to get there. I would have been walking in as they'd left. I'd be awesome jet lags. <laughs> It'd be a bit of a weird <laughs> trip for everybody. So I got to meet everybody kind of in that scene, which was actually pretty fucking cool. Because although, you know, obviously I have to do my research and I, got, I very quickly got to know everybody on set because I'm, I'm pretty, I'm bouncing anyway on set. I like it. So I got to kind of know the smack of people and sort of work out, okay, you're kind of like this and kind of like cool, cool. And then I got to see them act for the first time. That was interesting because the first take, I actually was more kind of like, although obviously I was 
still in, in the moment, half of me was also observing who they were because I'd never seen them act, obviously. It was like, ah, okay, this is not during the first take, so that's not true. During the rehearsals, a lot of the rehearsals for me was just really observing who these people are, who these actors are in their characters. So when we did the first take, I was in the take, but for a lot of the rehearsal period, it was like, okay, cool, that's how your energy is. And okay, cool, cool, I guess your choices. And oh, okay, cool. So then working out how I can take my choices and work with them uh, was really fun, actually. So it was a nice way to get to meet people. I actually got to know the actors better, obviously, mm -hmm. after that. <laughs> so, so I got to know the characters first, which was a very interesting way of working. Um, so I guess those two kind of stood out for me. I also like playing like lichens and shit. And I like playing mm -hmm. part of the wolf pack and mm -hmm. uh, being with Jeff and like kicking ass and taking names. It was really fun. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I got, I got a lot of bites of the cherry on that one. So if you like watch some playthroughs, like here and there. I don't really watch playthroughs. <laughs> okay. Okay. I was just trying to like ask if you like, you know, looking like you're trying to find people's uh, opinions or whatever on how, your performance, you know? Not really. No, I don't. It's like people tell me they like the performance or they, or they didn't like the character. So it's like, great, you know, have a reaction. I don't care if you like it or not, just have a reaction to it. I don't go looking for, for critique. Um, I don't really care. Um, I, I care when people take the time to give me a compliment or give or ask me a question. That's very like flattering, and I have to honour that because obviously somebody spent their time to talk to me or tell me that they like the performance and stuff. But I don't go looking for for critiques. Um, I don't go looking for comments. I'm, I'm not. I use social media, but I don't really. I don't really try and actively look for people's critiques of my work. Because yeah. it's like, dude, you know, the second that I do my performance and the director's happy with it, I'm happy with it, and we're all happy with it, then it's out in the ether and that's for the audience to decide how they feel. And their judgment is totally legitimate. And if yeah. they hate the thing, if they love the thing, that is completely their prerogative and their choice. Why do I care, you know, which way it falls? Because it's like, that's for you. Make up your mind and love it or hate it and you know talk about it and be interested in it and it doesn't it doesn't make a huge difference to to my work in that way i'm not going to take notes from people but neither am i also going to think you know let that this good vibe of thank you know you're amazing da, 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 actually also affect me in a negative way to make me think that i'm fucking like the best in the world obviously i'm not um but you know it's it's like i don't go looking for comments and i don't really read social media outside of like you know skim you know obviously i read everything to a point i don't take anything to heart mm. so if somebody i've had like you know people being abused it's like cool meet me in the street <laughs> let's let's talk face to face about whatever yeah. it is that you're upset about because i kind of feel the conversation might go in a slightly different way if we meet face to face <laughs> you know i've had people trying to like just get i say uh, fight me and stuff it's like dude really <laughs> Like, do we, we could do that, but I don't think it's going to end well for anybody. So, you know, it's a strange thing online and yeah. social and all that stuff, because obviously I grew up in a period where there was none of that shit. Yeah. And it is a wonderful thing. It's also equally a terrifying, yeah. dangerous thing when people allow it to be terrifying and dangerous. Oh, I mean, you know, people always talk about like they're being bullied at home online. And you're going, turn it off. Don't fucking read it. I mean, you know, educate children, teenagers, yeah. adults to don't fucking read it at home. Yeah. At home is your sanctuary, man. Mm -hmm. If you're getting bullied, and I was bullied for years as a kid, my bullies were all face to face though. We didn't have social media. So I guess I was lucky in that way. I saw them coming. But for me, it was like, cool, I can deal with that face to face. So the idea of somebody trolling me on social media is like big whoop, you know, great, cool. But new generations, new technology, new culture, new ways of thinking. I get it. You know, people are affected by that. Here's the yeah. thing, folks. If you're being bullied online, turn it fucking off. Yeah. Put down the phone, put on a movie or play a game or speak to the people that are your real friends and ignore those motherfuckers. Because quite frankly, that's all the power they have. An anonymous troll or somebody who's hiding behind a fake account or catfishing. Fuck it, you know, turn it off. Your home is your sanctuary, your room is your sanctuary. Exactly. Do not let that infect it. So for me, it's like, you know, I mean, again, it's like I really respect and I really am flattered by people who take the time to say nice things. I do read them. 
I just don't let like my ego get fed by that stuff because I think it's very dangerous to mm. take your foot off the gas because then it's like, well, those characters I really liked, I worked really hard on them. So if I just assume it's going to be brilliant and don't do any work, that's equally dangerous. Yeah. So I have a very Zen approach to this stuff. You know, I'm happy for the person that enjoys the work. I don't try and, you know, feed myself off the comments because that's not really what it's about. I hope that makes sense because I'm, I'm, oh, obviously yeah. it's quite of a complex thing to talk Definitely. about. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you think about like, you know, like getting like invited to interviews and all that, you know, like getting the attention? What do you think about that? Um, well, I mean, the main thing is I'm, I just talk about my work and promote the, the work I'm in and promote mm -hmm. other actors and promote the directors because that's my job. My Part of my job is to do press for the jobs I do and to talk yeah. about that. Um, my private life is off limits. I don't talk about my private Definitely. life. Definitely. Um, because A, if you know too much about me, you're not going to know about the characters I play. Um, that's going to supersede that. And my life is, B, my life is not as interesting as a character because nobody's written like a uh, a film game theater piece about my life so you should watch the characters mm -hmm. and also see it's like that's not what i you know make my money from i make my money from entertaining people in other people's stories um i don't make my money off my private life <laughs> so that is private <laughs> yeah. which is fair enough because everybody's entitled yeah. to that Definitely. so i think that's the thing it's like you know um yeah that's uh, the attention stuff from is incredibly flattering from I, I really mainly I like the fact that people have a reaction to my work and that people take the time to say things uh, that they really are sincere about um that's huge bonus that's very flattering and mm. I'm very grateful to be in a position where people actually can do that you know it's nice mm. to be able to hear that but I think the thing is that you know I've never really courted attention I don't need to have that kind of uh, fame is a really fucked up thing like you can't control mm. fame you can try yeah. to you can manicure it and manufacture it and blah, blah 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 but dude honestly like talent out and i think if you're a crafts person you just focus on that you may not be able to control like people's attention on you and it is flattering and it is like a real bonus to have that in an actor's life because it means you're doing your job well mm. i would think but you shouldn't try and court it um you know it's a, it's a dangerous thing to expose yourself in that way and, and try yeah. to um ask for people's attention yeah. that said it's a personal choice so that's just yeah. for me that's my personal opinion other people can do whatever they want to do and they're free to um but I, i like doing interviews about the work i like doing interviews about promoting acting i especially like talking about performance capture and promoting voice work and that stuff because that's where my my passion is i still do tv and film But, you know, I've got a huge passion for this side, especially for games and animation and stuff. So, yeah. you know, I'm cool with it. But I've also done it a long time now. So it's it's nice to be able to support and champion the projects, directors, producers, writers, games developers, other actors, and all the people that champion me. So, you know, it's nice to <laughs> yeah. get it back. Definitely. So, and for the grand finale, would you mind saying a few lines from, well, Other, other village characters like uh, could you say perhaps uh, this supersized bitch is but a child and her devotion to you is questionable as Heisenberg <laughs> no dude I'm not saying other people's lines I'll say I'll say Heisenberg's lines but I would not do justice to do other people's lines that's not happening so <laughs> pick a Heisenberg line happy to do that for you <laughs> okay <laughs> Perhaps I I don't know if you're aware of because I just have Maggie's I just have Maggie's like voice lines in my ear and it's like I'm not going to compete with that she's just nailed it Maggie's Robbie Robertson is an amazing actor there is oh, no way I'm going to do that better than her so I'm not even going to try <laughs> so do I'll do anything from Heisenberg please do you ask me from Heisenberg please thank you. um do you know this meme um not sure if you've seen this video but someone made a video and it was about uh -huh. Uno. Uno. No, I don't know what you're talking Now, about. Now, and basically, it was uh, Heisenberg and uh, uh, Lady Dim Dimitrescu arguing about okay. Uno. And, okay. And, <laughs> and, and, random, and, right. <laughs> and and you were like, I don't have, I don't fucking have Uno. Right. Okay. <laughs> I don't fucking have Uno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that that was cool. Yeah. So so you guys see. <laughs> Don't even try to request uh, something from an actor. That's not his line, you know. 
No, it's not that. It's just that I just I just have Maggie's incredible, yeah. brilliant, awesome. She's amazing. Maggie Robertson is an amazing actor. And they all are. They're, they're fantastic actors in Village. Um, and also, you know, and I've been very blessed to work with amazing actors. Maggie Robertson is fucking incredible. I will not, I don't even dare say lines that she has done because I, they just will sound ugly in my ears. So I'm not, hmm. that's the reason I don't like to do other people's lines because it's like, dude, they did it so much better. Like, there's no way I want to do that. <laughs> well, I think so that's just me, man. Being, you know, I like think that. all of the actors were amazing, you know, in the game. Yeah, Jessica Mattel was in, it was incredible. Paula Rhodes, uh, Sarah Coates, um, Todd Surley, obviously. Um, there's, I mean, really like great fucking actors in this game. Mm. Nicole Tompkins was in it. Jeff yeah. Shine, you know, it was just, it was a real, um, it was a really amazing cast. Um, and Michelle Lukes as well. I mean, we 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 had a blast in that game, and it was interesting because we we only met a few times all the actors. Yeah, and then we went off to do our own thing. So like, um, like Andy Norris, for instance, I, you know, I met her a few times. We, we've become friends anyway, but we met her a few times and we didn't actually work together apart. We, we actually probably worked with Andy more than most people actually, weirdly. But mm. Todd was like the conduit between all of us. So Todd obviously worked with everybody. Mm. And it was, um, it was interesting to work like that because actually the moments that we were all together was, was kind of cool because it was like, ah, okay, cool. We get to really feel each other out and then yeah. we go off and then we can use those experiences together. So, um, yeah, but I, I don't like doing other people's lines because it's like, they did it better. <laughs> Let them do it, you know? Yeah, actually, I, I'm like the same with this. So thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. No, no, it's a personal preference. It's not like... No, but I mean, sport. I think that too. I mean, why would we just butcher a line from someone, you know? I think it's okay when you're like, you know, you're doing a Scarface impression or something. That's completely legitimate. But if you've been in something, it's like, they did it better, you know? <laughs> <Let them do. laughs> you know i think there's a difference between impersonating a character and you know saying their lives as a completely different character <laughs> no. it's different when you're in the project man yeah. i mean it's a little different i think because it's like oh yeah uh, it just feels a bit weird <laughs> to do that so yeah if i'm happy yeah. to say anything else as heisenberg that's fine <laughs> Thank you so much to Neil Newborn for joining me on the Vogue podcast. Now, so much fun. is there anything that Heisenberg has to say about the Vogue podcast? <laughs> um, oh, you're not even local. <laughs> I bet the, your podcast must feel pretty tough. Huh? Let's see what you really made of. Vogue podcast? <laughs> Ah, so you're not local. <laughs> Let's see what you're really made of, viewer. <laughs> Don't forget to check out the Vogue Podcast's social media sites. And of course, Neil Newborn's social media sites, you super-sized bitch.